Lagos Talks 91.3 and Corporate Shepherds presents the man of the hour. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome I.D. Enang. This is Navigate with I.D. Enang. This is Navigate with I.D. Brought to you by Corporate Shepherds. Welcome, my dear friends and very distinguished listeners to Navigate with ID. It's such an honor and very deep privilege to share with you today and to be with you today. I'm grateful to God for the gift of life. I do not say that lightly, neither do I take it very lightly. It is very uppermost in my heart and in my mind to give thanks to God for the gift of life. Friends, this has been an interesting journey as we begin to coast towards the tail end of the month. And more importantly, this is one month that is very special in my life. As you all know, May is a very spectacular month. Great things have happened and great things will still happen. And one of those great things on Saturday, we will be having the maiden edition of the Ask ID series. We are starting a program every last Saturday and this is the debut of the Ask ID series where you have a chance to connect with me live, to ask questions that border around your business, your career, and in general, what life presents within those two facets. So 9 p.m. Saturday, 27th of May, all you need to do is just find a way to hook up with me live on Instagram and Facebook. My handle is at I-D-Y-E-N-A-N-G. You can follow me as I go on this journey. The journey is for us all as we begin to take on the questions and challenges that we are facing. And let's find answers because answers do exist. We trust God for wisdom to see us through. On a second and lighter note, uh, that day happens to be my birthday. So this is more or less a way to um, say happy birthday to, to your good selves, especially from me. It's my little birthday present to myself to start this series that would help, hopefully, that will hold once every month, the last Saturday, where we can actually answer topmost questions and things that really are bothering you as regards your career and your business. Well, having put that aside, let's focus on the business school now. We have been talking about positioning, the positioning statement, and more importantly, how to position your business or brand successfully. In the last two episodes that held last week, we talked about three broad steps in order for you to position your brand successfully. We talked about step one, that you need to determine the most desirable destination for your brand or your business. Step two, you need to develop a game plan to get the customer or the consumer to your destination, that chosen space that you want to occupy. And thirdly, we talked about monitoring the situation once the customer or consumer has arrived at that destination. Let us now begin another step into the journey and journey into the world of marketing as we take a refresh and look at the positioning wheel just as a recap of last week. And then we'll go straight into the topic of today, which is turning positioning to strategy. Before I delve into the topic, which is around turning positioning into strategy, let us just do a quick recap around the positioning wheel. What I said to you all was that the positioning acts as the hub of the wheel. It is at the very center. So imagine if you have a, a bike and you see that particular cord, the hub. That is what the positioning represents and it holds everything in place. Every other spoke, every other strand basically draws from the positioning. And this is how when you drive a positioning wheel for your business, the very essence of what your brand represents stays at the core. Business owners, marketers have many ways to communicate what their brand is all about. And from a consumer's viewpoint, everything communicates. And so what I'm saying to you, friends, when you have established that core, that hub, it then gives you the latitude to express what your brand or business represents. So. If you look at the brand positioning as a core, what happens is in terms of the name, in terms of the packaging, in terms of advertising, in terms of promotions that you hold, in terms of how you price your product, 
in terms of the publicity, in terms of the formula, in terms of how you deliver your services, all of that comes from the brand positioning. Well-positioned brands or businesses send out a consistent and clear message via all the spokes of the wheel. And that brings me to this very important module, which is about turning positioning to strategy. Very many businesses start off very well. They have the positioning. They have all the spokes. But when it comes to execution, they tend to fail. Why? Because the holistic nature of what we call a go-to-market or a route-to-market strategy does not exist. So this particular portion of the business school, we want to look at turning your position into strategy. This is around execution. This is what everyone looks at and says, why do I need a route-to-market strategy? Without a route-to-market, all the exercise or exercises you would have done in getting your product, in getting your business, in getting your entire service ready will fall through the cracks. Why? Because you need to get it ultimately to the final end user or customer or consumer. There are four things I want you to note if you have to answer the question why you need a route to market strategy. In another balance, it's called RTM. In another balance can be GTM, go-to-market, route-to-market. All of these just sit around the same context. And so I want to use this opportunity to do some little uh, teaching around the route-to-market strategy. So why do you need a route-to-market strategy? Number one, to enhance your in-market execution. Wherever you expect your product, your brand to play, there has to be an executional dimension. Number two, you need a road-to-market strategy to drive customer or consumer value. Number three, you need a road-to-market to capture incremental either volume, share, or whatever parameters that would enable your business to survive. And number four, you need a route to market to maximize revenue and profit through a very cost-effective approach. So, friends, I'm going to take you through what I call an overview. Call it a high-level process for the route to market. And I want you to follow me on these five principles I am going to enumerate. Now, given the fact that this is a business school, it is important that you note that you have to do some studying. You have to do some researching. You equally need to ask questions. So what I'm giving you, because of the nature of the program, it's a business school on radio, don't forget. I cannot afford to visually depict everything I'm saying, but I'm going to walk through your mind's eye to project everything for your benefit. Having said that, when we talk about each of the principles, I want you to take your business or brand, wherever it is in the equation, whether in formative stage, whether in a place about to launch or existing, just go back to ground zero and say, did I follow this particular process and where am I in the equation? That way it's going to help you as a business owner. It's also going to help you as someone who wants to construct a route to market to drive your business. Remember, it's all starting from the positioning that you are set in place and how we want to turn that to a strategy. The first principle in the high-level process of the RTM is you need to develop your strategy by making two interrelated choices really well. And those two interrelated strategies are where you are going to play and how you are going to win. Very important. Where are you going to play and how do you intend to win? Very many times, very many brands and businesses do not even consider the notion that they need to be playing in some space. They don't even think about how they want to win. They just jump into the river, jump into the sea, jump into the pool, 
simply because they find that other people are in those pools or areas. No, it's not done. You need to develop your strategy by making two interrelated choices, and those choices are around where to play and how to win. Number two, the second principle, you need to define your commercial opportunity in terms of your consumer, in terms of your brand, in terms of the channel, and in terms of the place where the end user will shop. So when you're looking at the commercial opportunity, you must be able to say, this is the value at stake. So what is it I'm looking at? I'm producing, I'm manufacturing, or I'm producing a service. These are the commercial opportunities that have to do with my end consumer, end user called customer, my brand, and the way and channel in which I want to get it to them. That has to be clearly defined. The third principle, that is principle number three, in developing a route to market, you need to develop a precise understanding of behavior at every stage of buying and using the brand. Very many times, people just assume that somebody is going to behave in a certain way because you think, I know Nigerians. Okay, I know people from this part. And so this is how they will behave. This is how they are going to respond to what I'm, the service I'm bringing. And so you go about thinking and assuming and presuming that you know and understand the usage and attitudes of the end user, customer or consumer. Many times it's false. It's almost like an athlete that is there to run a race and he or she is along other competitors and they hear the sound of the umpire on your marks get set before the gun goes off. You would have done what? Taken a wrong start. And automatically, as you know, it's a straight disqualification. Very many businesses disqualify themselves because the owners start from a presumptive mode. Don't presume, don't assume that you think you know the behaviors. You need to develop a precise understanding. And that comes from digging and digging deep. Principle four states that. You need to iterate through dialogue and foster a performance learning culture to refine the quality of choices. It's not a monologue. You have to have conversations in order to drive a performance learning culture. And finally, principle number five, you need to align all your sales and marketing efforts very early enough through positioning and through planning. So let me bring all of this home. I talked about the choices. You know, there are three broad choices you need to make. The three broad choices that drive your go-to-market strategy or route-to-market are centered around the following. Number one, the first choice, where to play. Where to play means you're asking yourself a very key question. Who? are the priority target consumers or customers. Who are they? You must be able to bring them to the table. Who are these consumers of my end product? Who are they? The second leg to that particular aspect of where to play is a question that centers around what are the priority target channels or customers. So how do I fuse my target consumers and then the channels in which they are found or where they will be found, there must be a key point of alignment. It's almost like a sandwich of sorts. You have the bread, you have the bread, and in between will be something that then defines the kind of sandwich, whether it's fish, tuna, chicken, beef, whatever. That needs to happen as there needs to be a key point of alignment between who your priority target consumers are and what the priority target channels and customers are. When you have this, you would have sorted out the first quadrant of the choices where to play. The second 
space of choices that needs to be sorted is the how to win. Therein, you're going to ask yourself, how do I position my brand, our brands to win with these target customers that we have enumerated, that we know they are? That is one part. Remember, we are using a sandwich approach. The other part of it is how do we develop win-win propositions for ourselves and our target channels and customers? And the answer lies in the key point of alignment between how you position your brands to win and how you develop winning propositions. Remember in the past few episodes, I took you through the unique selling proposition. I took you through different concepts that enhance and enhances the way brands are built and the way businesses will survive. The third choice has to do with the behavior change. Still an extension of how to win. This is very critical because many businesses and brand owners start by determining where they want to play. They get to how they want to win, but they don't extract the how to win from a behavioral change standpoint. And that involves three levels. It involves a level of driving awareness. It involves a point of purchase or buying. It also involves a point of consumption. So there is a place called the point of awareness. There's a place called the point of buying. There's a place called the point of consumption. If you are dealing in a fast-moving consumer good, say food, or, or you're providing something that will always enhance um, the utility of some other person, then you need to have the POA, the POB, and the POC. And that is talking about a physical or virtual store. So if it's a service that you are providing, you also need to go through that round, that same round. But here there is a difference because you will be looking at something more ephemeral. So the two points to talk about would be, how do I activate our target consumers to buy and consume our brands more? So you are concerned about them buying and buying more, staying more, building the loyalty creed. Then the other part to it is when you look at the channels, you're asking yourself, how do we leverage our win-win proposition that you developed with the set channels and the customers in order to drive them to purchase your brands a lot more. Purchasing is a big piece in the game. If someone does not buy what you have produced, you are just going to end up in a very bad state. What is that bad state? Everything you produce will be returned to you, and that in itself does not augur well. So these three choices are very key. Choice one, where to play. Choice two, how to win. And choice three, how to win from a behavioral change standpoint, moving your expected consumers from the point of awareness to them buying and then to them consuming. And then in the place of consumption, you have to move them again from another trajectory. So you are not just trying me once. You need to come back again and again. Then at some point, I can create you as a loyal customer, a loyal consumer. It is the strength of your purchase over and over that gives me the impetus to produce more, to get to know a lot more about you, and then we then form that win-win partnership that continues to go on and on for years on ending. You wonder why some brands over 100 years are still very relevant. Because... They have very strong win-win propositions. The channels in which they've over time continued to meet with their consumers or customers are still alive. That's why businesses survive and they thrive. I'm going to do something slightly more uh, deeper, a lot deeper now. Remember I talked about choice one, which is where to play. Let me break it down further. I would like to break it down further. When you look at the where to play, very many times, a lot of people in starting their businesses do not look at the different aspects. Where to play starts from 
you having a sense of the priority target consumers. But how do you determine them? Friends, we are in the age of data. Data has always been there. The likes of us started our careers in marketing over three decades ago, or close to four. But it was always centered around certain parameters. I did talk about one of such parameters, and that is segmentation. You must have a clear view on your consumer or customer segmentation. That tells you where you're going to play. Then you must have a way of driving a supporting data to understand the why. So consumer segmentation is one way. You will then have the support data to help you bring about who this consumer is. Remember, you're looking for what you will be able to get from them as the commercial value. You need to extract value from whoever is consuming your product. I did talk about the commercial opportunity. That is very key. The second thing you need to do when you're talking about where to play, so many people just produce products, produce services, and they drop them anywhere. No. You need to understand the priority channels in which you'll find these human beings. Where are they? Where can I find them? Where can they find me? So you need a channel market map. You need to draw something that allows you to express yourself even greater and better. So many brands today are sitting docks. Why? Because the owners have decided to do what they like, thinking that what they like is exactly what everybody wants. The answer is no. You can do all the things you want. If you don't know where to meet me, it's all gone. All not going to work. But I know that if you look at this within the context of your mind's eye, you will see what I'm talking about. So let me take you on this little journey. You have decided to go into a business to produce what? Let's take the simplest thing. Let's take coconut candy or biscuits, something that you know that Nigerians your customers will always want. How do you go about designing a channel map? I want to start producing biscuits because I see that a lot of children, they need this as their snack to go to school. I have not been able to put this together. So how do I put together a channel map? This is what I want to say to you, friends. Follow me as I go on this little step. Now you have, you have decided to make or to produce biscuits. Now you're asking yourself, what would my ideal channel map look like? Where do I play? And we are talking about the channel now. And so you have two choices before you. One is to have what I call a direct sales approach. The other one is to have what I call an indirect sales approach. What does direct sales mean? In direct sales means that from your very facility where you make these biscuits, you want to deliver straight to the store or the channel where the consumers will come and buy. Whilst the indirect sales um, form is you're going to take them, look for a third party or intermediary. You can look for distributors, you can look for wholesalers. So you transfer all your boxes of biscuits and deliver it to them. They, in turn, will take it to the open market and they'll begin to hawk them. Now, under these two big channels or broad channels are institutions. So under the direct sales distribution channel are supermarkets, are convenience stores, your hypermarkets, all of these big stores that you know. They are the ones where you will have to take your product directly to them. So if you were to produce biscuits, you can go straight to ShopRite and sell to ShopRite directly. That's a direct sales channel. You can take it all the way to Just Right. That's a direct sales channel. You can take it to any of the petroleum um, food marts where you have like mobile and they have a store. You can take it to them directly. That is a direct sales approach. 
direct channel approach where you go straight to them. Now, the indirect now means that you will now go over, appoint some wholesalers who would take those bulk from you, and then they now start looking for the malam that sells in your street. Those days, we used to have a lot of malams. When I mean malams, I'm talking about the little stalls that are in the neighborhood. There are kiosks. There are little convenience stores. All of those people buy from the open market. So the open market, you can find one anywhere around you. Those are the places where you could also have as a place to get your products to. So there are two broad channels, direct sales, indirect sales. Which one are you going to go to? Because at the end, the consumers are going to file themselves into any of these places to buy the biscuits they want. And when you think about biscuits, who really eats biscuits? Who consumes biscuits? That in itself will tell you where to put your focus on and how you will extract value. This is Navigate with ID, brought to you by Corporate Shepherds. Welcome back, my dear friends. It's Navigate with ID. This is your business school on radio. Friends, just in case you're joining us, we bid you welcome. It's a very interesting day. We're looking at um, how to turn your position into strategy. And by this, we decided to focus on the go-to-market strategy or what we call the route-to-market strategy. And we said to ourselves, really asking, why do you need a route-to-market strategy? You need a route-to-market strategy for four reasons. Number one, to enhance your your in-market execution, how your product, how your entire brand will feature in the marketplace for consumers or customers to take them on. Number two, how to drive customer or consumer value. That's so critical. Number three, we said in order to capture incremental, that is volume and share. Without volume share, without value share, you are just on your own. And finally, the ability to maximize revenue and profit through a cost-effective approach. These are the four big buckets of why you need a route-to-market or a go-to-market strategy. And so we brought ourselves into the space where we had to look at, I enumerated the five principles in the first half, but more importantly, we looked at the first one, which had to do with the need for you to develop your strategy by making two interrelated choices really well, where to play and how to win. And so, coming from that, the three choices, where to play, how to win, and how to win from a behavioral change standpoint. Those three were carefully crafted out, and we were just sitting at the point where we decided you know, to get deeper into the where to play, talking about how to determine the priority channels and the customers that you would have. This brought us to the point where we were able to ask ourselves where and how do we get this product of ours to the final consumer. And we said, there are two approaches. You either take a direct sales approach or an indirect sales approach. And so we had the example of uh, an entrepreneur or a manufacturer of biscuits. You say biscuits here represents anything that you want to do, you want to produce, you want to manufacture and sell for consumption. So I'm just using the analogy of the biscuit. So you are a biscuit manufacturer, having done great positioning, great packaging, having done all the research, now the time is when the rubber hits the road is when it gets into the market for you to get your consumers to have access to it. So you either follow a direct sales approach, meaning that from your facility where you produce your biscuits, you take them down straight to either supermarkets, to convenience stores or hypermarkets. They are the ones that you can make a direct sales and distribution to. Or you can choose to follow an indirect source which is through wholesalers or some semi-distributors 
who will ultimately now sell to the kiosks, the mom and pops, the little uh, stores around. You'll find all of those in neighborhood. Um, they are the ones that buy from the wholesale market and they come back and retail in their premises and ultimately the consumers then buy from them. This is a very, very important assignment you must not joke with because on one hand, you must determine who your target consumers are. On the other hand, you need to understand where and what and how they shop. And that's the channel. So the key alignment is the channel, the consumer come together like a sandwich. And then in between is what you are serving. Every sandwich has a name. You can have a fish or tuna type sandwich. You can have a chicken. You can have beef. You can have turkey. What is in between the dough or the bread is what matters. So that exactly represents the consumer and the channel coming together. And there is some value exchange. If that does not happen, you cannot maximize your commercial opportunity. There is nothing called, I will do it, I understand it, it will happen. No, it doesn't work like that. And to make this possible, you must have sat down to understand how each of your consumer segments work, what the consumers want, what they do, how they go about it, where they shop, the day in their life. This takes some fantastic rigor, friends. It's not just done overnight. If you decide to do anything overnight, then you will get the overnight miracle, which is nothing. But I tell you, when you spare time to look at these two big, major parts, you'll find that there's an alignment and then you begin to extract value. So when you look at where to play, it is very, very key. It is key that you have a clear landing gear on your consumer segmentation. It is very key that you understand your channel market map, where these people shop. At the end, there is a commercial opportunity where you both extra value because you will be looking at selling more to make profit. And the customers on the other end will be buying more in order to make profits from the consumers and everybody in the value chain makes something out of it. It's called the extraction of value. So when you hear the words value chain, it does not mean one stretch. It means there are pockets. So even if you take it from agricultural produce, somebody sits, goes to the farm, puts together all the manure plants this, tomatoes, this, that, gets an orchard. By the time they harvest the produce, they need to take them, they need to sell them to off-takers. Where do they find the off-takers? The off-takers must know where they are. They, if they don't know where they are, the farmer himself must know where he positions himself on Lagos Ibadan Expressway. So as you are driving past, that is a channel. You add traffic, that's a traffic channel. Then you will stop and say, oh, fresh tomatoes straight from the farm. There's an extraction of value. That's an example of a value chain. If they don't follow the channel called traffic, they could also have harvesters, people that will come directly to say, I have a tomato plant. I need you, sir. Let's sign a contract, Mr. Farmer. I want you to produce two metric tons or two tons or 200 kilos, whatever the metrage is, of tomatoes and give them to me every month. And you say, yes, sir, I will, sir. This is the price, sir. And you both agree. Every month you deliver that tonnage to that factory and you get paid. That is part of the value chain. When they take the tomatoes from you, they go through their own quality checks. They then put it in as input. They then ultimately produce a tomato puree that they can then can and then sell again back to the channel. They will then determine whether they want it direct sales or indirect. So if you go to the open market like you carry, you will find the tomato puree cans. You will, if you go to ShopRite, you will find it there. There are two separate channels and two channels of distribution. This is how it works, friends. The common place of alignment 
is the fact that somebody started that process. That's exactly what you do. When you understand where to play, it takes understanding your consumer, how they are segmented, the who, the what, the why, and it takes understanding your channel market map. If you don't have an idea of the channel market map, then all your produce and all that you put together will just, and if they are perishables, you'll be in serious trouble. The next big bucket is how to win. How to win is very critical. You have competitors. Remember when we started the whole positioning series, I did tell you that think about yourself as a pilot of a plane, that you are sitting right in the cockpit and you're about to land this beautiful craft and there is some very nice space, an airstrip. And in that airstrip, in between, the airstrip, just the airstrip there, you have to your left, rocky hills, to your right, a big sea, big ocean. And then you are able to land this craft. You want to land this craft right in the middle of these two big uh, natural elements that could be disasters on their own. But the airstrip is built in mid. That is the land of opportunity. So in that land of opportunity, if you take it as a mini airport, you will see other planes that are just being parked. They are your competitors. They are already in that area. What makes you so super that when you land your plane there, you will also be able to pick customers. They will have people that will be there. That area of opportunity could be the marketplace. That is where Everybody comes to buy and sell. So how do you win? How are you going to win? If you do not have a strategy on how to win, you cannot win. What do you do? You need to position your brand to win with these target consumers that you have already seen as your priority. And then you need to develop what I call win-win propositions for yourself, for your channel, for your customers. It starts by going through a very simple process, not a difficult one. You can sit back and say to yourself, what are my strengths? What are my weaknesses? And what are the strengths of my competitor? And what are the weaknesses of my competitor? Those two major charts can make a lot of difference. It then begins to tell you how you want to fashion your unique selling proposition. If your unique selling proposition is baked in the intrinsic value, say you have a special formula, your gizdodo, there's a mix of the tomato and the pepper when you're about to fry the dodo that no other person does it that way. That's your unique selling proposition. You can decide to make your gizdodo crunchy. That could be your unique selling proposition. While others are serving theirs in a different format, it just could be anything. But you need to ascertain how this would work, friends. That is what gives you the impetus to get to the point of winning. Why? Because you want the end user to change their behaviors. So somebody has been buying a certain product, has been used to a certain brand all these years. How do you woo him or her to come over to your side? How do you get to activate the desire in that person to try you? If you do not have something on the screen that makes him or her say, this one is different, let me try. That trial is what every brand, every business must always start to do. Get people to try. When they try and they find the product so great, they will not walk away from their loyal brand just because of that, but they would have made a note. But some, at least out of 10, it's possible for three to walk away and say, no, I'm not going back to that. I found a better one. But most times, loyal consumers and loyal customers stay until that brand that they support or are loyal to disappoints them. It is that disappointment that takes them to go try an alternative. But most times, you find two in 10 or three in 10 maximum. That's three out of 10 people switch. They're called brand switchers. Because you've delivered a superior product, you've been able to sway them to leave their normal brand to come to yours. Otherwise, 
trial is very key. So how do you leverage your win-win proposition at, in that channel? Are you going to use salesmen on ground? Are you going to use the media? Are you going to use publicity? Are you going to use promotion? Are you going to use word of mouth? Are you going to use town to town? Are you going to use city to city? Whatever strategy you're going to put in place to present your brand at the end of the day is to woo this customer to try. Trial is the first rule. As many as can try or sample your product, the chances are you can now swing their behaviors to look at you. And when they look at you, they begin to think about, okay, maybe I normally buy, uh, let's assume you're talking about, okay, we've used biscuits, we've used some other, let's think about some other product that is a consumable. Let's take tissue paper, for example. What exactly makes your own tissue paper better than the other? Do people really make a, a fuss about it? Maybe the answer is no. So imagine that you now develop, manufacture a classic tissue paper that is soft, that is so good as a white, and at the same time, a preservatory, that you can wrap up things with it. At the same time, you can use it on multiple uses, which is what it should be. Do you know that the minute somebody samples and utilizes it, they may not even go back to the previous brand. Because many cases, people don't really, tissue paper is not something they say, this is my brand. You will not have loyalists as such. What they are looking for is the quality. Once the quality delivers, they will look for it. If they don't see it, they pick the next one. Think about it. Are you very loyal to tissue paper? The answer is probably no. Are you very loyal to the toothpaste you use, personal product? The answer will be yes. Are you very loyal to the kind of um, juice you drink? The answer will probably be yes. But when it comes to a different category, let's talk about mobile phones. When you find people on a certain trajectory, when they have bought into a type of phone, maybe an iPhone or any other Android like Samsung and the rest of the do people switch so easily? The answer is no. So how do you get someone to switch from a Samsung to an iPhone or an iPhone to a Samsung? They have to be able to do something that the other does not because behaviors are not so easy to sway. It is tough. And so this is where the positioning, this is where the positioning statement comes to life. This is where the channel, this is where the route to market this is where the entire strategy comes to play. Because if you don't understand the interplay of a good route to market, your products may just stay on the shelf and nobody would take it because A, they have not tried, B, they've not adopted it, and C, they will not make it as part of their repertoire. So a successful route to market is nothing other than the following. Number one, Good product segmentation. And good product segmentation talks about favorable price, availability, your product must be available, and then having a viral target market. So your product segmentation is a function of the price, availability of that product and all the requirements met, and then that you have a vibrant audience or target. That's when your product segmentation sits well. It's the beginning of this journey into a go-to-market strategy that will erupt. Number two, from the product segmentation comes the customer segmentation. If you are going to take your product to the market, you must think about who the end customers will be, the end buyers, and it requires three things service level. So you are going through the direct sales and distribution or indirect. So what type of service level agreement do you have? If I'm selling to a ShopRite directly, I'm taking it from my facility straight to ShopRite. 
It's a direct sales distribution channel. And so I'm just employing a salesman and I will have a key account manager who manages all of those kind of stores. The service level agreement will be different. It will be a contract between that particular direct sales store and your company. So you only need maybe fewer staff. But think about this if it is indirect. You need this quantum of wholesalers and distributors who would then have their own wholesalers. And then those wholesalers will have another set of wholesalers. So there's distributor one, wholesaler one, wholesaler two. And then you then have the open market. So all of them are in that open market. Are you going to be signing contracts with ERC or Mama Jambul or Brother uh, Suleiman? All of these are wholesalers. You cannot have service level agreements with all those people. And so you just need one major person who would then bring all of them under one roof. But it's a recipe for disaster. So you need to be very clear in your customer segmentation. It is about the service levels. The second big item on that customer segmentation is the customer commitment. How do you bind them to be loyal to you so that they do not crisscross? They don't take your products and then put it inside another and sell off and mark it off because it's not moving. Customer commitment. The third part of the customer segmentation to have a successful route to market is what I call a sense of collaboration. You must all be in the party together. The party must begin and the party must end with all of us in the same boat. Anytime anybody drops off, we must understand why he or she dropped off. It is not about them. It's about us. It's an us mentality. That's the spirit of collaboration. So you move from product segmentation to customer segmentation. And the third piece or pillar that brings a successful route to market is the channel. All of this coming from a point of view of identification and selection of the most effective sales channels. You must know which one has the least cost to serve that is going to cost you far less than the other. And so at the end, when you identify and select the most effective sales channel, whether retail, wholesale, or direct to customer or to your consumer, you've effectively been able to fuse your product and your customer segmentations into a channel. Once that is done, the final pillar is the determination of the most cost-effective means of servicing the customer. Very many people do not understand that this is critical because your distribution cost can come so high and it will impact the cost at which the final customer or consumer buys your product. You can take a multi-modal approach. That's excellent. You can take a single model approach. You can also look at the nature of delivery. Is it by sea, by air, by road, by rail, by courier, by parcel, or by public posts? Depending on the nature of your product, depending on your positioning, depending on the USPs you have, you ultimately will determine the most cost-effective means of servicing your customer. That is when a successful route to market has been established. Why? You will be building on your commercial acumen. This is what delivers a superior commercial capability. And ultimately, that now becomes your competitive advantage. You know, we've been talking about competitive advantage in the past weeks. What I'm doing is taking this as a business school to come to the point to show you that when you see and hear that somebody has a competitive advantage over the other, it doesn't just happen because you have a nice product. It doesn't just happen because your product is cheap. It doesn't just happen because you happen to be next to the king. No, it is a process. And it's what happens behind the scenes that brings about the value at stake. And the value extraction is a function of hard work. So many people think that business or running businesses or running services 
will just give you, you just need to just take a walk in the park. It is never a walk in the park. I hope you're able to take all of this together, put them all in a meal, go and reassess where you are with your business, reassess where you are in terms of your products, your brand, your business, reassess how your go-to-market has gone thus far. If you have gaps in it, you need to go back, fix those gaps so that you can have a profitable venture, a profitable, sustainable venture. I should put the word sustainable. You have to build commercial capabilities with your channels, with your people, with your customers, and all the entire ecosystem must ring the bell of one thing, and that is the delivery of whatever you promised. And sure, you will then find that you have a great year and great years ahead. And that's how your brand will begin to make it through the thick and the thin, regardless of what comes through. Friends, all of this is just setting us to a space where, once again, I want to say that come on Saturday, Saturday 27th May at 9 p.m., we'll have the debut of our Ask ID series. We will, which will now happen once every month, the last Saturday of every month, starting from this month. We are dedicating it to having a live question and answer session or people that ask ID series. I look forward to having you. And all it's going to take is for you to follow me on Instagram. Um, and my handle is at I-D-Y-E-N-A-N-G. It will go live on Instagram and Facebook. The kickoff time is 9 p.m. I look forward to having you there. Let's talk about the challenges you're facing in your business or with your career. And together, if we're in together, at the end, there should be some place of soccer. Thank you so much, friends, for listening. Can't stop loving you guys. Wish you all the very best, even as you wish yourselves the very best. Take care and God bless. Goodbye. And that was Navigate with ID, brought to you by Corporate Shepherds.